This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Elliot here, Matt Lombardo, the No Huddle Show. We're here at Lincoln Financial Field, the site of a convincing, as usual, it seems, when it comes to the Eagles and their wins recently, a convincing 51-23 win over the Denver Broncos, a win that moves them to 8-1, a win that further strengthens their hold on the NFC. And looking around the earlier games, um, the Rams look like, well, they won, and the Seahawks might win, so there's going to be some close competition, but the Eagles still remain the best record in the NFL Completely dominated the Denver Broncos. A lot to get into with this game. Obviously, Jay Ajayi and how he played. Carson Wentz, another MVP caliber performance. Alshon Jeffrey. So plenty to get into, but Matt, you wrote about it. You really had your eye on Ajayi throughout the entire game. What did you think of his performance today? And what was your initial takeaways from his first game with the Eagles? Yeah, Elliot, I wrote this in the post-game post that I believe Jay Ajayi springs Doug Peterson's playbook wide open. And the one play that really stood out to me was the Alshon Jeffrey touchdown. It was a play that Ajayi wasn't really necessarily the focal point of. But Mm -hmm. last week against the 49ers, when Wentz was sacked three times, he was hit seven more times, you and I kept talking during the press box, where are the quick hitches? Where are the play-action passes? Where are those quick throws on the run? And in that one singular play, we saw all of those elements. Carson Wentz sold a brilliant fake handoff, really stuck it in the gut of Ajayi and held it there for about as long as he could, sucking the defense in. He rolls out, hits Jeffrey on the run. It was the first touchdown out of two for Jeffrey today against the Broncos, but Ajayi was a key factor on that. It showed how much attention the Broncos were paying to him, knowing that he was probably going to be on the field for a limited amount of snaps. You know, it freed up Jeffrey. It freed up a, a, an area for Wentz to roll out of the pocket and make the throw. And then, of course, he had the touchdown run by Ajayi later on in the game that really announced his presence in mm-hmm. this offense, that 46-yard run. He leads the Eagles in rushing, eight carries, 77 yards, average 9.6 yards per clip. And I know that we're going to spend a lot of time over the next two weeks talking about Ajayi's role, big picture in this offense. But I think what we saw today, Elliot, was a little bit of a glimpse, a little bit of a preview that Ajayi is probably the most complete running back. He probably has the best chance to be a three-down runner. And this is a lethal team when you can have a battering ram like O'Garrett Blunt and a guy in Corey Clement with some game-breaking speed. And he had a nice catch where he chipped and helped it on uh, pass protection, then caught the little uh, screen pass up the middle from Wentz and dashed in for a touchdown. This three-headed monster, this is the type of team that can make some noise in the postseason because of this running game and that backfield. Committee. Yeah. So my biggest takeaway was, well, so 
he finishes the game with eight attempts for 77 yards. Yep. Obviously, the 46-yard touchdown. I mean, the touchdown is what it is. He was there was a huge hole. It was created by the offensive line. I do think he showed good speed to to finish it. Um, I'm not sure if Legarrette Blunt does that. I'm not sure if Corey Clement does it. Maybe Wendell Smallwood, but I don't even think he's a part of this team's plan. So, um, even though he dressed today. So, I mean, just looking at the main three running backs, I think he has the best breakaway speed. Yep. Which is what you saw there. Uh, but my biggest takeaway was early on in the day. First offensive drive of the series, Ajayi gets into the game, which I thought was telling considering how all week, I mean, Doug wouldn't even commit to him playing on Friday. Jay Ajayi wouldn't, wouldn't say if he knew he was going to play or not. I think it's pretty clear they knew and just didn't want to tell the media to tip off the, uh, the, Broncos. the Broncos. So, yep. I mean, there's another example of you know press conferences, especially speaking of which, Zach Ertz today, Doug says he's going to play. Then he's inactive, barely tests out his hamstring on the field. I think he ran – we saw him go out there, maybe he ran one or two routes. Yep. Uh, and then he didn't play. Didn't Doug's look that great in pregame warm-ups. I no. mean, I, do we give Doug the benefit of the the doubt, or do we just think that this is becoming an issue with Doug and injuries? I know we'll talk about that later on, but just in terms of Ajayi specifically, it was a limited role compared to what we're going to see well, him okay, do. Well, okay, so that's what I was, so was going to say. So, yeah. all right, I agree that he is definitely this team's best running back. Yep. Corey Clement's pretty good, though. I mean, like, you know, I don't disagree. Yeah, so, I mean, I think as of now, though, uh, Jay Ajayi is this team's best running back. I think they have a legitimate three headed monster in Ajayi, Clement, and Blunt. And I, I don't throw that term around lately. People like to say that very quickly sometimes because you have three running backs on your roster. But no, I think they have a legitimate three three head monster. I think you saw that on the first drive. Ajayi gets in there, Corey Clement gets in there. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt gets in there. Kenyon Barner starts the game, which I thought was a, a little bit of a troll move by Doug to show that you just never know what this team's going to do. I mean, I think putting Blunt out there, putting Ajayi out there would have said something. Putting Barner out there showed that you don't know who's going to be out there when this Eagles offense starts. I think Ajayi is going to be the the big running back here. I mean, he was third on the team in carries today. Corey Clement had a team-high 12 carries. Uh, Garrett Blunt has nine. Ajayi, Ajayi has eight. Yep. Smallwood ends with five, but had this been a blowout game, he had this not been a blowout, he probably doesn't yeah. even touch the ball. Yeah, those were mostly garbage yards and mm-hmm. garbage carries. He had the 126-yard gain in the fourth quarter, and they had a couple more carries after Carson Wentz was pulled and Nick, Nick Foles was in there. I think he could build a, a pretty solid case, Elliot, based on the inactives today, that if Zach Ertz was healthy, Wendell Smallwood is and inactive. Espe- especially when Darby comes back, yep. too. So, yep. I mean, I think Smallwood is heading towards the inactive the inactive list. But, but to get back to Jai, I think – he is the best running back, and he is going to probably be in in key situations. But I think they are dead serious about going forward and having a three-running back committee because it benefits benefits everybody. I mean, Ajayi, a guy who you know there were knee, there was concerned about his knees coming out of camp, uh, out, coming when he was uh, coming out of Boise State at the draft, he gets a little, little less wear and tear on his knees. Blunt, you know, carried touched the ball three hundred plus times in two uh, last season with the. Uh, the Patriots, and then Corey Clement, obviously you can't trust him to be a feature back yet. He's just a rookie. So I think they are dead serious about having all three guys touch the ball and all three guys play a different role, and I think it's a good idea. I mean, look, I'm, I'm kind of a believer in the fact that you give a guy 15, 20 carries and let him get comfortable and let him get going. I think a lot of players have said that they like that, but the results today speak for themselves. I mean, let's see, Ajayi 77, Corey Clement 51. Blunt 37. I mean, that's over or close to 150 yards, roughly, yep. that, that they were able, or over 150 yards, that they were able to get against a, Bron- a Broncos rushing defense that was number two in the NFL coming in today. And they didn't just get those yards. I mean, they were like gaping holes. They were breaking tackles. It was extremely impressive. So what Ajayi did was was good to see. And again, it just speaks to the fact that how he got this guy for a fourth-round pick is laughable. 
But I do think that they want to do a three a three back committee. I think you saw that today. I think Ajayi's role is going to grow, but I still think we're going to see a lot of Corey Clement and a lot of Garrett Blunt. Well, as I don't the goes I, on. I don't disagree with any of that. But let's just also remember that Jay Ajayi was here for three practices and a walkthrough, so he didn't digest the entire playbook. He has two weeks now to prepare for the the game against the Cowboys. Two weeks to sit down with Deuce Staley, the running backs coach, Frank Reich, the offensive coordinator, with mm-hmm. Doug Peterson, and, and really master this playbook so that we're going to. I believe, get a truer sense of how this three-headed monster is going to shape up in Dallas. I agree with you. It, it is a backfield by committee. My only point is that I think that you're going to see Ajayi get a lion's share of the carries, but on third down, and if it's third and two, third and three, LeGarrette Blount will go out there. If it's first and goal from the one, I think LeGarrette Blount goes out there. And if it's a tight game late, if the Eagles are up by three, six, ten points in the fourth quarter and they need somebody to salt out a win, that's where I think LeGarrette Blount is going to be most effective. Mm-hmm. He's going to be that battering ram that when in the fourth quarter defenses are tired, here you have a big between-the-tackles bruiser with fresh legs who can bust out a big run, put a game on ice, or milk the clock. But big picture, I think Corey Clement is your change of pace back, somebody you can probably put on the field at the same time as Ajayi, maybe with Ajayi in the backfield, and and you put Corey Clement out wide in the slot, because he showed you today he can be a weapon in the passing game just as much as he can be as a runner. So this is a really nice situation for Doug Peterson, and it's an offense that looks like it now can become as balanced as a lot of us thought it might be going back to before the season opener. Well, one takeaway from off the field from today, though. So we've only we've each only spoken to Jay Jai a few times. They're eight, they're eight and one. He had a touchdown today, so everything's going well. Yep. And the stuff you heard about him in Miami, the stuff wasn't. I mean, the, this team was four and three. Uh, he wasn't playing great. So we'll see. You know, if next year he's struggling, what he's like. But when I when I came into when I went into the locker room today after the win. I noticed something I think is kind of telling. Um, I saw J.J. and Garrett Blunt, whose lockers are right next to each other, kind of leaning in, watching a video on their phone, and laughing. And I I didn't see what the video was. But, I mean, I think that him and Blunt are actually going to have a pretty good relationship. I agree. You saw J.J. earlier in the week call him LB at the podium, says he's met him a few times. Uh, Today during J.J.'s press conference, Blunt was kind of joking and coming in with some answers and that that type of thing. It seems like if they're not already very close, they're going to make a concerted effort to do that. Um, and I think that's huge. And also, I will say, after the game, when Carson Wentz was at the podium, he said one of the things he really liked to see from the running back groups wasn't so much, obviously their production was great. He said he likes how after any any of those running backs score, they all celebrate together. And there's been a lot of talk this past week about chemistry and how bringing Ajayi into the locker room is going to impact things about who he is, how tight this locker room is, and those type, those type of things. It does seem like, again, it's early on and winning solves everything. But it does seem like they're all making a concerted effort, and it seems genuine. The, the, the friendship that I saw and the friendship the way you've kind of seen them interact does seem genuine. So as of now, those off-the-field concerns with the Jai don't seem to be there. No, I totally agree. And there's two things here. Number one, as you pointed out, we're not going to know how this is going to play out on a day like today. You're not going to see Jay Ajayi sulking on a day when he's the leading rusher with 77 yards and the Eagles win 51-23. to You're going to find that out when, let's say, the Eagles go to Seattle and they lose 17-10 to or, or 20-13 to and Ajayi has two carries well, Garrett Blunt has seven, and Corey Clement has four catches. That's when you're going to find out throughout the course of that week and after that game mm-hmm. what kind of teammate Jay Ajayi is. But big picture, I-, I talked about this after it happened. We talked about it on the reaction pod to the trade, Elliot. 
I think a lot of those issues in Miami were a product of the environment that Jay Ajayi was in. You have a quarterback in Jay Cutler who might have the worst work ethic of any quarterback in the NFL, yeah. a team that really had no shot at the postseason. Obviously, head coach Adam Gase and Jay Ajayi butted heads on a lot of things. No love lost there. You come to Philadelphia where Carson Wentz is the established franchise quarterback. You were 7-1 and one going into today. You're the runaway favorite in the NFC, in the NFC East division as well. I don't know how you can be a bad apple in that situation. So we'll see when, when the speed bumps start to pop up, how Jay Ajayi handles those things. But I just think that this locker room is so strong and there's so much leadership, even in that room. You talked about his relationship with LeGarrette Blunt. Deuce Staley had a relationship dating back to the joint practices in the summer. Jay Ajayi yeah. talked about, you know, conversations they had at Novacare and during the preseason game. So I think that there's so much leadership, even in that room, the J.H.I. is going to be fine, and I think the more the Eagles win and the more that he's a part of the offense, that this is going to be a talking point for this week, but I don't think it's going to be something that follows him through his tenure here. So should we get up? Should we talk about Alshon now? Is it that that portion of the podcast? Let's go where, there. Uh, yeah, right, let's, let's go there. Let's go there. Okay, so <laughs> I, I would have something I would like to say before we get into this. So before the game, I tweeted. Are you going to say I was going to go wrong? Oh, no, I'm definitely no, I'm definitely not there yet. I'm not there yet. I'm not even ready to say he's a number one yet. But so before the game, I tweeted. I said the Eagles not having a proven number one receiver on the outside is a way bigger deal with Ertz out. Broncos can now focus on Aguilar run game. And then obviously, of course, Alshon has a big game today. Six catches on 11 targets, 84 yards, two touchdowns, along of 32. So here's what I'd like to say about that tweet, and then you can say what you thought of Alshon today. Okay. I still don't think Alshon's a proven number one, but that's not a slight. There's only five or six maybe legitimate number one receivers in this league. Maybe, so you're, maybe, talking maybe about, you're talking about elite top-tier right. receivers, not necessarily number one on a team, but top-tier in the league. I'm talking about guys that are going to go up, against good teams, good cornerbacks, and win one-on-one matchups. Alshon had a good game day. There's no denying it. But if you look at that first touchdown he had today, how many receivers can make that play? He's not even touched. The set, and then the second touchdown was also – I haven't had a chance to watch the beginning of the route yet, but he was open in the back of the end zone. Again, I'm not slighting Alshon. I'm not. But the only thing I'm saying is I'm not ready to say he's a proven number one. So everybody out there retweeting it or mentioning me and all those things, I still don't think he's a number one. He had a great game today. Him and Wentz are coming along well. You can retweet and like it all you want. I'm not ready to say it yet. So now that I have that off my chest, what were your takeaways from Alshon? Can we go big picture real quick on Alshon? Yeah. I know we've talked a lot about stats and numbers and the fact that he doesn't have a 100-yard game, and and that's fine. But I don't think that this offense necessarily is built for one receiver not playing in the slot or playing tight end to have that kind of performance week after week. Would you agree? No, and look, I, I and you you can back me up on this. I have said I would re-sign Alshon right. at the right price. Right, right, right. So I'm not anti-Alshon, like, get him out the building. I just think everyone wants him to be this dominant number one receiver. He hasn't been that yet. That being said, three touchdowns over the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. He's starting to come on a little Yeah, two today. He's starting to come on a little bit. I'm open. You know, look, if week 17 comes around, I'll say if Alshon's a number one. He's not yet, but these past two weeks, you might be starting to see with him and Went, uh, with Jeffrey and Wentz on the same page, things might start to happen here. Let's go big picture. Five years in Chicago, first five years of his career, average 61 catches per year, 919 yards, and 5.2 touchdowns. Here we are, nine games into this season. Eagles go into the bye week in week 10. So far, Alshon Jeffrey has 28 catches, 
416 yards and five touchdowns. So he's on pace to have right more, around more, an yeah. average year. And more, well, more touchdowns. And he's more touchdowns. Got five, yeah. Right. And, and and we've talked about Carson Wentz arguably being the best quarterback he's had. This is one of the few opportunities where he's been that established number one receiver. A lot of times he had uh, guys like Brandon Marshall there, and there have been complimentary weapons around him. But by year's end, I wouldn't be shocked. I know he's probably not going to have a career high type of a year, mm-hmm. but we're only nine games into him working with Carson Wentz. And, you know, it takes time. Look at what's happening. It's a dumpster fire in Tampa Bay with Deshaun Jackson and Jameis Winston. That's just not working out. Terrell Pryor and Kirk Cousins haven't gotten on the same page. Carson Wentz and Alshon Jeffrey are looking to be the number one a quote-unquote newly married quarterback-wide receiving duo so right. far this offseason. And if he puts up an average type of year in year one with a quarterback in his second year, I don't know how you can look at that and say that, A, that it was a failure, or B, that you don't go all in to re-sign him. Well, I think you go, all, I think you go in to re-sign him, but I think there's cap situations that might prohibit from that. And I think, honestly, he'll take less money to stay here. I mean, he, we'll he, he took a one-year deal to – he put. I mean, he – might have turned on less money to come here. But regardless, on the bigger picture, well, I guess what I'm saying is, and to get into Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz is good enough where you don't need number one dominant type receivers. Like, yes, obviously Julio Jones and Matt Ryan. Julio is an outstanding talent. And I'm not saying Carson's Tom Brady. But Carson is good enough, at least right now, and if he continues to play at this level, it won't matter who his receivers are. He's throwing guys open. He's extending plays. He's making reads before the line. I'm not discrediting Alshon, or at least if I am, I'm not meaning to, for what he's doing. But what I'm saying is Carson Wentz is the reason that first touchdown happened. Carson Wentz is the reason his second touchdown happened. The first one, you can also say J.H.I. Because right, I'm but I, you, that, that play-action mm-hmm. fake drew in the def- the defenders up front. It allowed Carson to roll out, and he threw Alshon Jeffrey open. So I think that while Alshon was the benefactor there, I don't think we dis- can discount Jay Ajayi in play action because that's not something the Eagles have done mm-hmm. and Wentz making that throw. Yeah, no, I, and I'm not trying to discount anybody on the play. What I'm saying, though, is to get into our Carson Wentz talk for today about how he played, I mean, 15 to 27, only 199 yards, but four touchdowns, completely dominated this game early on was razor sharp, put nice touch nice touch on his passes when he needed to. It's kind of the, the larger picture debate, not just about the Eagles, but the NFL in general, is if you're an elite – I mean, we, we say it all the time. When's the last time a, an elite receiver won his team the Super Bowl? Julio Jones almost did it last year. Obviously, there was other parts. Right. But what I'm saying is if you're the Eagles this offseason – and we're getting ahead of ourselves. But if you're the Eagles this offseason, investing huge money in a wide receiver might not be something you want to do simply because you can see how well Carson Wentz played today. And today, the Eagles receivers go against a really good secondary and a really good Broncos defense. I mean, they put up 51 points on a defense that was number rated rated number one in the NFL coming into uh coming into the game and was giving up an average of 21. They put over, they put up over twice what the Broncos were averaging on them. And at one point they were on pace to average 62 points yeah. or to put up 62 points today. They finished with 51 and they didn't even keep once in the game. So obviously the offense is completely cl- clicking right now. And I do think that because of how well Carson Wentz is playing, you're about to see big numbers from a lot of people because Ertz is going to come back. Jeffrey and him are starting to be on the same page. I mean, six of 11 today, I'll have to go and look, but I would guess that's the highest percentage of receptions compared to targets he's had this year. I mean, even last week, I think he was three of seven throwing at Jeffrey. So they're starting to get on the same page a little bit more. Burton had a good day today. I just think Wentz is playing at such a high level 
it almost doesn't matter who's out there receiving. Well, I, I think what we saw today, Elliot, was the continued evolution of Carson Wentz as a quarterback because I don't think either one of us would dispute or disagree with the fact that Zach Ertz has been his number one target. Would you agree? Yeah, although it is crazy how, or, I mean, as of now, I think Jeffrey will have, have more targets. But I agree he's his favorite target. Favorite target. Undisputed best, favorite target. Best red zone weapon, five for five on targets in the end zone. Zach Ertz didn't play today. And we can talk about the numbers not being what we've seen out of Wentz, only 199 yards. But those four touchdowns and only sacked once in the passer rating of 118.7. This is the evolution of Carson Wentz, a quarterback, because his favorite target wasn't out there. Mm-hmm. And let's even look at Nelson Aguilar. Nelson Aguilar was only targeted four times, two catches for 36 yards. He's been Carson Wentz's second favorite target. When Zach Ertz wasn't there, the next read was, where's Nelson Aguilar? Yep. Is he open? And sometimes even the first read over the middle, given his speed. Today, you started to see Alshon Jeffrey become a focal point of the passing game. You saw Trey Burton come up with some big catches. You saw Brent Selleck with three catches two of them coming on third down. Corey Clement had the one catch for 15 yards and a touchdown. So you're looking at Carson Wentz spreading the ball around, and as much as we want to say that losing out on Zach Ertz for this game was a big deal for the offense, and it certainly was, if you're an Eagles fan, you have to come away encouraged with the fact that Wentz was still able to produce, still able to you know throw four touchdowns right. and move this offense the way that he did without Zach Ertz being out there. To and, me, that that might be the most impressive thing that Wentz did today. And they did not seem like they were afraid of uh, a Tlaib. I mean, after the game, uh, Wentz said, look, we know he can be an aggressive corner. And it seemed like they kind of tried to pounce on that. Uh, I mean, targeting Alshon 11 times, I don't know how often that was against um, against Tlaib, but I do think he was on him quite a bit. So, I mean, the offensive side of the ball, obviously everything clicked great today. 51 points, I mean, that's going to be one of their best days they're ever going to have. Talk about the defense briefly. Yep. Um, first, Brock Osweiler is just terrible. So I'm not trying he's to. He's CJ Bethard bad. Yeah, I mean, he's I, really I, bad. I thought, and we talked about it on the podcast on Friday. I thought because of how dominant the Denver defense is, they came in, what, number one overall, number two against the run. I really thought that if they were able to have the kind of success up front that the 49ers were able to have, that Brock Osweiler and C.J. Anderson and Demarius Thomas and the weapons that they have on the outside would be able to play some ball control and keep the Eagles off the field. Brock Osweiler's terrible. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's C.J. Bathard bad. Throws he, the ball should to make nobody Eagles in particular. Fans, yeah. He should make Eagles fans happy to know that they have Wentz. And it just also speaks to... You go get the guy in the draft you think is your guy. So he's really bad. But one thing that didn't impress me about the defense today was the job they did stopping the run. The Broncos run the ball 19 times today for 35 yards. Obviously, they wanted to come in today and establish the run so that they could make things easier for Brock. When you fall behind early as quickly as they did, Mm -hmm. it's tough to run the ball. So that certainly helped the Eagles' defense. And the fact that Osweiler had to drop back and pass 38 times, that's going to help as well. But credit to the Eagles' defense. They sacked them three times. They... uh, Picked off two passes, Rodney McLeod with the big interception in the second half with the big return. Yeah. You know, look, it's one thing to jump out a lead offensively and let your defense do the rest of the work, but we've been talking ever since the Carolina game. Points off turnovers have been huge for this team, and just the fact that this defense has been forcing turnovers has been something that has been a dramatic improvement over where they were as a group last year. And, I mean, look. There's only so many good quarterbacks in the league. So there's going to be weeks, the majority of weeks, where you're going to play bad quarterbacks, you're going to play bad defenses. It's one thing to play a bad defense, I mean, to play a bad offense. Another thing to completely dominate it. And the Eagles did. I mean, look, we've all, 
we've all seen the Eagles over over the years give up big games to bad quarterbacks. It happens. So, but they didn't do that today. They gave up nine total points to the Broncos in the first three quarters. Those last fourteen points really didn't matter at all. And obviously, seven of them come from the uh, the Von Miller touchdown, or you know, close to it. So, yeah, the defense dominated today. Just absolutely dominating performance overall. Let's talk a little big picture stuff right now, if you want. Um, bye week. What are you thinking? I mean, what are some of your uh, some of your thoughts you're gonna have during this week? Well, I mean, a lot of players say they're gonna obviously they're gonna be going away. Wednesday's gonna do a little hunting. What's your kind of big picture thought coming off of this game? Big picture thought is they control their own destiny in the NFC. They're the team to beat in both the conference and the division. The road to the Super Bowl appears to be going through Lincoln Financial Field. Mm-hmm. But I'd caution people not to lose sight of Seattle. I'd caution people not to lose sight of what's happening with the Rams. The Eagles are the best team right now, but they're gonna have to play some critical games down the street two against Dallas. They have to go to Seattle, go to Los Angeles. And I know people are excited, and I know that the trend is out there that you wrote about today about starting 8-1. and one. This team historically goes on to some pretty big things when that's their record through the first nine games. Yeah, I mean, games. four trips to the championship game slash Super Bowl. I, I just think that we are about to find out just what this Eagles team is because of the opponents they play over the second half, where they play them. And when all, when all is said and done... I think they still are the odds-on favorite to win the conference, but they're going to have to take care of business against some of the top quarterbacks in the league and in a couple of really grueling stretches that were put together by the schedule makers that starts out with going down to Dallas right after the bye. That is the crazy thing that at 8-1, and one, I mean, the Seahawks are probably going to only still have two losses, the Rams have two losses, and they play both of them on the road back-to-back weeks. Yep. I mean, that is going to be... And then they come home, and I know that the Giants are dead, and they rolled over on their coach today. But then you got to go on the road again. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, I I don't think the Giants have enough, and I think that they've rolled over to the point where they can't even play spoiler. But that that's that's a brutal three-game yeah. run right there. I, I, look, I think it's crucial this team clinches number one just because you don't want to go on the road against teams with playoff experience. But it's not going to be easy to do. I mean, this isn't – I mean, I think, that, you know – Assuming Dallas loses to Kansas City, I don't. I didn't see what the score was on that yet. But regardless, they can lose to Dallas next week and be okay shaping the division. They they gotta look conference now yep. at this point. So gonna be a lot to talk about during this week. Um, I think we're gonna get the assistant coaches too, so that'll be good to get some insight from uh, on what they're thinking of different players. So as always, we appreciate everyone that's been listening. We're gonna wrap this one up. The last thing I want to say though is we're at 210 comments, and last podcast we asked you guys, you know, we want to have some guests on this week. So. We asked you who you would like to hear. We got a lot of a lot of Brian Dawkins responses. A lot of Brian Dawkins. That might be tough to pull yeah. off. I mean, we'll <laughs> so, try, but that yeah. might be a little. That so, might be a challenge. I already asked the Eagles. Not looking good, but we'll keep at it. But I want to let you guys know we did see your comments, and we are going to try to make it happen. But if you have another suggestion besides one of the most popular Eagles in franchise history, that would be great. So keep giving us comments. Really appreciate. It. We appreciate the five star review, and we're going to have our hot take podcast for you on Tuesday. Tweet at us. We'll read your reactions in the show. Hashtag the No Huddle Show or email us at the No Huddle Show at NJ.com. We'll answer your questions. We'll go over some of maybe the hot takes you uh, you have off of this game. Bye week's going to be a little different. We'll still have the Tuesday pod for you. We'll probably have maybe one or two by Friday, but we'll still be around, obviously. No bye week for us here at NJ.com. Um, look forward to talking to it. Matt, we will talk to you soon. Talk to you Tuesday, Alex.